and welcome to another episode of Arista's Movie Adventure. I am your host, Arista, and I am joined by two returning guests, one Triple Crown returning guest, uh, Terrain Myricks. Uh, Terrain, how are you? I am doing well. I like that I am going to be the most frequent appearing, appearing on this. I take it as like Alec Baldwin does at SNL. I uh, have a crown. I have a crown made up. It's great. I'll, I'll get that your way uh, shortly. Um, now, of course, the other guest is Drew. Drew Wambach, how are you? Fantastic. It's been a long week. I am more than grateful to be ending it with two of my closest friends having a glass of wine and talking about three absurd movies. <laughs> each, in their own, each in their own different way. Uh, yeah. I, I guess it's a theme. Uh, I, I want you guys to know that the first episode we recorded, which was obviously with you two as well, is the most listened to episode of my podcast. So the four listeners I have have repeatedly listened to you guys. That's uh, great. And, you know, I just want them to know, thank you and keep doing it. He'll keep bringing me on then. The fans <laughs> love us. And I, I don't want to say that I want to dethrone terrain as most frequent guest, but I want to dethrone terrain as most frequent <laughs> guest. I, I need this for my crippling uh, psychosis and poor self-esteem. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get 90 into 90 seconds in, got real talk. Shit. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of real talk, let's talk about Will Smith and drag. God damn it. <laughs> so the, movies, the movies we're going to talk about uh, are Wild Wild West, suggested by Terrain, Batman and Robin, suggested by Drew, and a movie called Sorry to Bother You, suggested by me. So first up, Wild Wild West or I like to call it a vehicle for Will Smith's rapping career. Go ahead, Terrain. Why don't you introduce this? Um, okay, so I would like to first start by saying I do not like Wild Wild West. Um, I don't know if, if, you know, sometimes people pick a movie and you're like, oh, they must have liked that. I do not like Wild Wild West. I picked it because I have been picking, like, dynamite movies, and then the people around me are picking, like, just straight trash fires. So I thought it would be cool of me to, like, sink down to the level of doing Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West I, I, is... I called out. <laughs> I didn't say anybody's name, okay? Mamma Mia 3, anyway. Um, so... <laughs> It, Wild Wild West, 1999, uh, according to Wikipedia, it's a steampunk western action comedy film. <laughs> so, already, wow. Um, That's a so, bold claim. Yes. It stars Will Smith and Kevin Kline, uh, Will Smith playing James T. West. Um, I'm guessing the titular Wild Wild West. And Kevin Kline playing Artemis Gordon, also playing Ulysses S. Grant. One you can tell is Grant because he has a beard. And they have to, I don't know, foil the plot of, I guess... I guess West is trying to go after um, a Confederate general who, like, committed an atrocity. And the marshal's just following the orders of the president. And the whole film culminates with them fighting inside of a giant spider. Uh, it's robotic. A giant robotic spider. I don't know how else to describe the plot of this movie. Because I, I do have a billion things to say about it. But I feel like... That's what it was, question mark? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so what? what Mr. West is hunting down a Confederate general named uh, McGrath. 
Blood, Bloodbath McGrath. Was Bloodbath one. McGrath. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I guess he killed Will Smith's parents, but Will Smith yeah. was also raised by Native Americans. So. Uh, right. Yes. Yeah. That happened. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't realize that Kevin Klein played both. Grant How the fuck? <laughs> because because they had that gag where he dresses up as Grant. And then I was like, oh, okay, so that one's Kevin Klein, and the other guy is just another actor. You thought the other guy was just another guy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who's that other guy? He's weird. Anyway, let's keep moving. <laughs> if Brana plays the, the bad guy who's, I guess he wants to break up the United States. I don't know if that's his plot or not, uh, but he has right? no way. Right? Sell it to former colonial powers. <laughs> what an interesting choice. Yep. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't. I don't get what he was trying to do. I don't. I don't understand a lick of this movie. Uh, the only things I caught were the like overt racism and transphobia. <laughs> yes. Yep. I have notes on those as well. Oh um, man. Sa- Salma Hayek had literally nothing to do in this movie. She was. She, she was just there to like. Salma, you look great. Wear this like, cra- like wear this nonsense, <laughs> and and just walk around on screen and flirt with uh, Kevin Klein and Will Smith. Yep, that's what I carried the movie. <laughs> wow! <laughs> By doing what, Drew? By doing what? In a movie devoid of plot, there was at least something visual going on, and it was the visual beauty of Selma Hayek. <laughs> Uh, uh, so I told you guys this in our uh, text chat, but this is the first movie, uh, PG-13 movie I saw in movie theaters. That so, was, that's crazy. Who did you see it with? My dad. <laughs> and, and, and when there was the, and when there was the Salma Hayek scene where she was wearing um, uh, the thing that Will Smith gave her that had the flap in the ass and that was open... What did did you and your father exchange a look and like a I, nod? I mean, <laughs> How did I that remember. go? It was 1999, so I, I don't really remember. But um, yeah, so okay, let's 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 get into it. And then first, I want to start off by saying you can see Will Smith's testicles in this movie. Can um, you? I I don't know. I I, I saw what you sent me. Uh, he'll post it on the Twitter. I saw what you sent me. I don't think that those are his testicles. I just don't. Well, then what were they? What was, what was the point of them? I don't I, know. I what, was the, a little, little something. what was the point of any of this? I don't know what the point was, but I just, I don't think, I don't think those were testicles. It starts off with Will Smith making out with a woman in the town's water supply. Like, there's a water Yeah. <laughs> That's a public health crisis. What the fuck's going on there? Like, oh, by the way, Will Smith kissing Will Smith and I can't remember who it was uh, that was in there. It was uh, I don't remember the actor's name, but those two kissing was atrocious. Like it was very open, very it wet. Was very open, wet. A lot of wet sounds, and then when like he was obviously not paying attention to her and looking through the, I guess, town water supply glory hole, he was like staring off, and <laughs> <laughs> he was like staring off, 
and just like, but also still doing what his kissing was. And I'm like, that's what your kissing looks like. It is <laughs> disgusting. Yep. That, that sound, you're right. That wet kind of slapping, whatever the opposite of ASMR is, it's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we did this so you could feel really uneasy and unnerved. <laughs> All right, so I have a, a, a nitpick in that this movie is set four years after the Civil War, 1869. Yeah. And there's a shot of Will Smith riding in the Capitol on the Capitol Mall. And behind him, the Capitol building is under construction with the main dome being built. Uh, however, the dome on the Capitol building was in fact, com- was in fact completed in 1863, uh, several years before this. So uh, this film is literally unwatchable. Congrats, you caught the one plot hole. <laughs> you found the one thing that was off about this movie. <laughs> you got it. I'm saying this movie with a giant steampunk mechanical spider is not historically accurate. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, the, the actor he was kissing named uh, Gossel Bove, um, just so that I don't want to be only... I think everyone deserves some blame for this, so I want to make sure we name as many of these motherfuckers as we can. <laughs> so, Arresta, like, you're, we're starting with the beginning of the movie. So, like, after he is uh, thrusted out of the town bath slash water tower, um, he does have this, like, chase scene with these, like, former Confederate soldiers. And so he is, like, shirtless and wet and and, like riding horses and i guess that's supposed to like get the people going like like sexy 90s will smith and i I just can't see him that way to him he's just dad yeah yes yes you think jaden smith watches this movie and like ooh, i hope not (laughs) oh no dad got it back he had like pecs he had arms can i i here's the thing i i think that I think that Will Smith is incredibly attractive. This was not a good portrayal of that. If you want to look at, like, hot Will Smith, watch Bad Boys. Like, the Bad Boys series where he's, like, just a fucking buff-ass, like, uh, like he's awesome there. Here, I couldn't get into whatever the fuck he was putting down. I just couldn't get it. What do you, you mean his perfectly tilted hat wasn't doing it for you? That Where he puts on his hat and it's... Just cu- enough cocked to the side so that, you know, it, it's giving him that badass look. And he's wearing a lot of dark black clothes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they, there was a couple. I didn't write them down, but there was some lines where people called him like a dark man. And I didn't know if that was because he was wearing Oh, my God. Or... No, 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 it wasn't. It fell, it fell into the theme of the racism. I would like... Yeah. <laughs> like... Uh, I want to kind of go through some of what, like, some of the lines uh, there were in this. Um, yeah. One of, one of, one of the, it was a exchange between um, Loveless, was it, uh, was that the, no, that's not General, sorry. The main bad guy, that we thought the main bad guy was General Macbeth, but then it turns out to be um, Arliss Loveless, Dr. Arliss Loveless. Um, yeah. And they made the, they, so he apparently was like a guy who, uh, I guess they were able to like, I guess in a way resurrect and because he didn't have a lower half, the lower half of his body was like gone. Um, but yep. so so they played on that and race 
throughout. I want to, again, I'm going to read you just like an excerpt of what the fuck <laughs> was being said. Um, and I'm just going to do use the names of the of the actors. So it's Will Smith and um, Brana, Kevin uh, Kenneth Brana. Um, Will Smith. Well, oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Will Smith. Well, when a man comes back from the dead, it's an occasion to stand and be counted. Uh, Kenneth Brana. Miss East informs me that you were expecting to meet General McGrath here, but you knew him years ago. I haven't seen him in a coon's age. Will Smith. I bet a man like yourself would find it difficult to keep in touch with even with half the people you know. Um, <laughs> uh, Kenneth Brana. Perhaps the lovely Miss East will keep you from being a slave to your disappointment. And Will Smith. Well, you know, beautiful women, they, they encourage you one second and cut the legs out from under you the next that is dialogue from this film this is it it hurts a lot more when you say it (laughs) (laughs) i don't see that they called him dark warrior they called him the movie like it's like oh i'm on this train ride but then when you bring it out of like i don't want to say context but like you know put it under a microscope it's it doesn't stand up they called him Dark Warrior like, like, no, it doesn't stand up. <laughs> oh, you got me, you motherfucker. Yeah, they called him Dark Warrior like six times in the movie. And I'm like, that's enough, I think. <laughs> I think we've had enough of that, please. Are you are you familiar with, I think it was Dave Chappelle who did a, a, a sort of a rant on how in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, every like prominent male black actor had to dress in drag. Like, you, have, you have Martin Lawrence, like Big Mama's house. Uh, and this one, this is an example of Will Smith dressing in drag. So so I'm actually not aware of, I'm not aware of that. I, 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 I don't, I'm not aware of the specific whoever, which comic pointed it out. I'm just aware of when we were in class, and I believe, uh, I believe I remember this because you were in the same class with Dr. Pope, don't remember which class it was, that he brought that up as well. And he's yeah. like, he's that. That's that was one of his things that that was like real bad that that kept happening. And I'm like, ah, I, I guess that's that's not great. And I didn't, I didn't think about it. But fuck, yeah, it happens a lot. <laughs> yep. It's not a, it's not just uh, Will Smith. There's a, a stereotypical Asian character named Mrs. East. Oh, Mrs. East. yes. At least she died early on, but she was the worst. Played by Biling. God, it doesn't get better. No, no, and, it okay. doesn't. There's the the three women uh, who accompany Loveless. Did you do you guys catch their names at all? The 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 no, I didn't. No. So the, there's one named Amazonia. Oh, wait, wait, are we talking about? <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about Miss Lippin Reader. <laughs> His ability was to read lips, <laughs> and then and then you have Munisha, who is the one who shot guns. Oh, and Amazonia was real tall. Yep. yep. Motherfuck uh, this I, movie. I, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but uh, do you remember what Loveless called Will Smith yep. when he was in drag? What yeah. name he gave Will Smith? Ebonia. I- <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, that hurts. 
Oh my god. I, yeah, the, I, I can I just say I wholeheartedly apologize for picking this movie. <laughs> I uh, this was the, this was not the best judgment I uh, I chose to exhibit and I'm very sorry. This was this was bad. Yeah. Um that's fine. I listen. Last episode I picked a zombie movie that was really bad, but at least I enjoyed how, that one. How much racism did it have? Uh, well, not a lot of racism. But <laughs> okay, the, 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 the racist part that got me was he's at that like party, and he mistakes a yes. lady as his partner. Yep. I was and uh-huh. he goes on her breasts. And then to explain himself, he says it's part of his African culture. Yeah, they even yeah. he even says it's part of my culture, and someone goes from Georgia, and he knows no Africa. So he he doubles down on it. That's what. Yeah, I oh. I I wish like so. I'm gonna say this for at least two of the three films that we did. I'm wondering if anyone like at during the filmmaking process, and I don't really know anything about the filmmaking process, so I don't know. Um, you you some would say I'm an industry outsider. Um, but when I was just, I'm like wondering if anyone like literally just sat down and was like, this is going great. (laughs) I can't believe how good this is so far. We're going to fucking, this is going to be amazing. Or they're like, we're too far into this to quit now. We got to make that money. Will Smith's Will Smith on screen will get us the money. We just have to soldier through the rest of this. Yeah. Yep. Listen, it made two hundred twenty-two million dollars. Yeah. Uh, rest, yep. Do you know how much it cost? One hundred seventy. One hundred seventy. That, that's yeah, a commercial it, failure, my friend. I would say that that was a that was a pretty big failure. It it, it, it should have. I mean, yeah, it made more, so yay! But but no, it was a box office disaster. No. At least this movie is inclusive. And when I say inclusive, not only is it racist, <laughs> there's also a shit ton of, There's also a shit ton of trans and homophobia in here. Yep. So, <laughs> character, uh, Kevin Klein's character, uh, Artemis Gordon, he uh, is a master of disguise, I guess. And his favorite thing to do is disguise himself as a woman. And so specifically there's a scene where they're like, comparing the feel of fake breasts and it was just the worst literally just the fucking worst well, didn't, am i because i remember the scene but i, I watched this on like I, I watched this i would say like five days ago so I, I my memory may be fucking with me a little bit did will smith fill up a bat like a balloon with warm water and say that's what tits feel like you are yes. remembering that correctly she <laughs> This was a bad movie. <laughs> this was not good. There's a, a line, I wrote it down. Uh, Kevin Klein says, Now touch my breast. Oh my god, I'm hard. And the other, a, a third character in the background just gives a, a bad shake because gay, bad. So, it's, yeah. Uh, oh, I, I hate yep. it. I hate it. Scene. Gay people are bad. Um, we've learned that. We learned. Gay people are bad, and Africans feel on white women's breasts because that's a part of their culture. 
that's what the movie taught us. I feel like we haven't even really talked much about the plot, but there isn't. Like it's Oh, okay. Let's get into the plot. Let's get into the plot. So what the fuck? What's the spider? I'm done. I just, the spider, the giant mechanical spider. Um, what was that about? I'll take my answer right now, please. Uh, he, that's our love list was like, uh, I have this thing that will render armies uh, obsolete. And it was a giant spider that shot fireball. Yeah. It shot, it was a legitimate giant spy. How did they do that without anyone noticing what was going on? I actually, there is a specific. He has a whole city. workforce that that must have required to make. (laughs) How did you put that silence? You're right. Hidden city in Utah, I guess. I don't know. I guess. So, wait, there's actually a specific uh, question about. Um, their time on the giant spider. So near the end of the movie, I'm skipping to the end of the movie because someone should. Um, so they're they're in the giant spider. Uh, they're fighting the big bad. Blah 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 blah. Um, Kenneth Branagh shoots the. Oh, he had like a mini spider. Loveless had a mini spider <laughs> that he was using to stomp on Will Smith's face. They shoots like the kneecap of the mini spider, and you know hydraulic fluid leaks out and. There we go. He's, like, fucking done, right? He has no legs. It's just the top half of his body. He's done. Now, Will Smith watched him use his arms to pull himself back, turn around, notice a gun, (laughs) continue to move himself back, get into his wheelchair that has been destructive to numerous people that day. Like, he was, like, just got in. Will Smith just watched him do it, and then the guy, he gets the gun and fires it off, and Will Smith's like, oh, gotta move. You could have kicked him in the head. You could have yeah. stopped this immediately. <laughs> like, you put people in danger because you're a moron. Yes, that's the glaring pothole. <laughs> Listen, I also want to point out that he made, Loveless made, like, android people or something. Uh, uh, like, steampunk yeah. android people. It's the lore yes. of this. <laughs> the lore. The guy's so- head was, like, metallic and, like, impenetrable. <laughs> and is that the one that, like, hung? And I say, like, they hung a guy because they hung a guy. And then... Will Smith, like, held onto the guy's legs that was hung by the neck outside of the giant spider that was dangling over the big cliff. Like, this movie was just like, hey, whatever dumb shit you guys think of, put it in the movie. We're gonna put it in. I like, they had a guy with uh, knives for hands, and then Will Smith delivers the best line in the entire movie when, uh, after he tosses the knife hand guy off the edge of the spider into the void... He says, no more Mr. Knife Guy. Yes! No more Mr. Knife Guy? Like, it leaves the puns to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Territory, don't you dare unscrew the lid on that now. Again, you again, Drew and I, just tripping over each other to get to this joke. <laughs> 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 oh, all right, so 
there's a part where uh, Loveless catches Will Smith and Kevin Klein and puts these magnet things on their head and then shoots some giant razor blades at them that the magnet is attracted, so they have to keep running. But before he does that, uh, he's, he, he says that he, he captures Selma Hayek's character, and Will Smith is like, what are you going to do to her? And Loveless says something like, what, just because I don't have like the bottom half of my body? Yep. You think I can't build something or make something that pumps? And I'm like, does he just build a steampunk dildo strap-on? Is that what yes! he's saying? He was going to build a steampunk dick for the bottom half of his body to fuck Salma Hayek. That is a that is literally what they are implying in the movie. Uh, what, what's the rating on this movie again? PG thirteen. <laughs> oh. oh, listen, you got Smith's balls, you got steampunk dildos, Salma Hayek's can, ass. Can I point out? I think Salma Hayek got herself captured. Oh, yeah, so she did. Didn't she say, like, uh, I wanted to be here because she's finding her husband dad? Yeah. She's, she's finding her husband dad. She's like, I, I mean, I guess, well, okay, so this is the one thing that makes sense. Uh, Salma Hayek's character essentially was like, I know these dudes will help me because they really want to fuck me, and I'm going to make both of them believe it might happen. And then at the end, I'm going to leave with the person I wanted to be with because I used them because they're big and dumb and they didn't respect me as a human being to begin with, so go fuck yourself. Yeah. That's a thing that I think a lot of women deal with today. <laughs> so I get it. I'm, I get it. More power to Salma Hayek. But I think that like when the shit was going down in the train and she's like, he'll never take me. And then she grabs the fucking the pool ball and then sets off the smoke, the, the, the you know, smoke bomb. I'm like, you dumb, dumb moron. <laughs> what are you doing? But maybe it was a part of her master plan that we never found out about until I guess the end, but really not. I don't know. Fucking, I don't know. Drew, what did you think of the technology, the steampunk uh, sort of gadgets? I, I mean, it could have just as been easily explained as it's magic, but I suppose <laughs> like a lot of steampunk really is. I mean, yes. But like, but like this, here's the thing about like good science fiction and even good magic. Like, there needs to be enough like believable plausibility. So, like, in one of like very near the beginning. There's that, like, the first guy who gets his head chopped up by that weird convoluted magnetic spinning blade thing. Um, I have a question about that, but go ahead. But I have a question about that. Well, well then, um, our, but Kevin Klein, whatever his character's name is, uh, puts his head, uh, like, through a light... And he says, through the terminal retinal theory, his last <laughs> turned into the back of his eyes. Yes. Which, okay, I'll follow you here. Yeah. <laughs> this is, well, this then, is only Cal my Will Smith thing. That's a head. The whole six times he goes, that's a man's head. That's a man's head. And, and then they shine the light through, and the image is, is upside down. Which, if how the eyes work, they, they, they cross through the corpus callosum. The image is like inverted clockwise, not up and down. 
This is a. <laughs> oh, again. science is bad. <laughs> oh, I like how. Um, before I get to Terrain's question, I like how when Will Smith is harassing Kevin Klein on the train, Kevin Klein just like presses a button where this hammer drops down, punches Will Smith in the face, who goes flying backwards, landing on top of a pool table with <laughs> then ejects strap on straps to strap Will Smith into the pool table. Then it sinks in the floor and flips around, facing Will Smith down into a tra- like on the train on the tied to the bottom of a train. And I'm thinking how specific someone has to be sitting in that one specific spot in order for this whole wacky gadget to work it's uh, uh. the choreography was magnificent oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Will Smith, to get to the train he's riding up on a horse and kevin klein's in the train he's like yo yo slow down let me in and then will smith jumps on the train and then kevin klein presses a button which launches will smith into the air a hatch opens in the roof of the train and Will Smith lands in it. So again, do you just have these wacky sort of slapstick gadgets set, ready to go for any specific yeah. situation? Yeah. I, I, they, they were like, uh, the audience will suspend their, their, you know, their disbelief and just be thrown into a, a, a world of wonder. And I was not, I was not thrown into that world of wonder. I was very upset with myself for forcing me to watch this movie. I literally thought to myself, I remember when I like when I had to watch Mamma Mia 3 or 2 or what the fuck ever it was, and I like questioned whether or not Drew and I were friends. I literally was like, man, Terrain, do you like yourself? And I think the definitive answer is no. This this was punishment, this was retribution. <laughs> I I'm going to call us even, bud. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think this movie is worse than Mamma Mia. Carry the hatchet. Like, (laughs) I don't want to see where this road ends. No. (laughs) No, no, no. Let's just be cool from now on. Uh, What was your uh, question about the... uh, The, the, Oh, the big magnet and the, like, the, like, Frieza-style Destructo disc that was coming at. (laughs) 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 Like, like... Did they not like? I don't know. It seemed like wouldn't it? Couldn't it hit something and then like lose momentum? Like, I, I didn't. I didn't understand. Like, does it have? Because I don't think it showed the ability to like go through a tree and chop a tree down. You know what I mean? So it's like the Civil War. They have Gatling guns, <laughs> right? But like, yeah, I don't know. I just was like, ways to kill a man. I literally sat there and I'm like, could he not just like? Again, I didn't see it just cut down a tree. So could he not just go to the other side of the tree, wait for it to hit, and then, like, I don't know, grab it? <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't figure it out. I was I was very confused. All right. We've spent a, a good chunk of time, time talking about this, so I'm just going to run through the remainder of my notes quick because I don't want to dwell on this movie much, much longer. <laughs> um, so Loveless's plan is to split up the United States and sell it off to the European powers, and honestly, honestly, I think America would better be better off if the East Coast was part of the UK. And the same thing for- Are you arguing that Loveless is a hero? <laughs> listen, listen, all I'm saying is the UK has socialized medicine, and uh, we live on the East Coast. We live in a state which would also have had that. 
So not, not to interrupt, but also part of that plan, uh, Florida goes back to the uh, Empire of Spain, which means we got rid of Florida. Yes, that's yep. a, I'm right. Florida man is now just a Spaniard. It's fine. It's perfect. <laughs> it's just fine. <laughs> this this movie. Uh, another note, um, and this is. So I'm going to jump ahead. Spoiler, I give this a 2 out of 10 only, only because there's a scene where President Grant punches a woman in the face. <laughs> yes! Yeah, there is! Like, what on earth is this? But, but, but it's not the most insane thing that has happened in the past no. 30 seconds. No. So you don't think about it. Exactly. And then I mean, finally, it occurs on it, doesn't he do it on the giant spider? Oh, yeah. He, like, he, the he punched the Amazonia in the face. That sounds like if you if you gave someone a tab of acid, made them watch like a history documentary, and then like made them watch like, you know, another documentary, and then woke them up and was like, what happened? It's like, I don't know, man. I was on this, like, fucking giant... Like, he's watching Planet Earth. <laughs> he's like, I was on this fucking giant spider. And Grant punched this lady right in her face? I don't know, man. <laughs> like, it's amazing. This movie is... I, I'm i turning around. I love this movie. I think it's great. <laughs> my, my abs hurt from laughing. <laughs> uh, and then the last thing is the score of the movie, I thought, was kind of good no it reminded, it reminded me of appalachian spring which is a time-honored uh musical about the west so you know yeah but it was like the generic knockoff like great value brand version of version. i mean yeah okay listen i was trying to find oh, something. i was trying to find some things to say is good about this movie and I got, oh. like, the score was relevant, and Grant punched a woman in the face. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to find the bright spots. I didn't find any. That score was trash. Um, <laughs> it was not good. It was bad. Um, if, we can, if we can say any bright spots about it... Um, in 2000, it won, uh, Salma Hayek won Favorite Supporting Actress in an Action Film from the Blockbuster Entertainment Awards, and now Blockbuster's gone, so they fucking deserve that. Um, I don't know. This was bad. Overall, this was bad. And there was no redeeming things about it, including the score, which I'm like, this is really annoying. I think I, the main song I heard over and over again, and I'm like, it's not good, and it hasn't gotten better the 14 fucking times I've heard it. Uh, okay. Wait, wait, do you have uh, any I, concluding notes, Terrain? Concluding notes? Um, I'm sorry that I have worsened racial relations by making you two watch this movie. Jesus Christ. It's weak. <laughs> it is poignant, my friend. I'm... Um, I'm allowed to make these jokes. So, so I, I also have some like conclusions. Um, just like Arista, there was some uh, plot inconsistencies slash historical weirdness that I wanted to discuss. Yes, um, as you said, like the dome uh, of the Capitol building. Um, but I also wanted to say, like, so at the end of the movie, Grant says, like, 
do you two want to start the Secret Service? Which, by the way, the Secret Service was started in 1865 to fight counterfeiting. Uh, <laughs> it's been around for four years at this point. Uh, it only began as a protection agency in 1901 after the assassination of McKinley. Uh, which, which, like, oh, by the way, in that same scene, that same scene, uh, like, they're at that, like, dedicating of the International Intercontinental not international railroad, intercontinental railroad. Uh, there is an American flag with fifty stars. <laughs> of course, why wouldn't there be? Of course, there's. Um, oh, why the fuck not? <laughs> oh, amazing! And, and so, the very last scene of the movie, the very ending, uh, President Grant steals their train, and they're on the spider mech. Yes. And they say, "Let's go back to D.C." And then they go into the sunset. The West. Yes. West. They went west. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Oh my God. They went west. Oh my God. I didn't even think of that. Didn't even. Wow. Wow. The film's writers did zero research. They're like, fuck this. This is going to be. Listen, I joked about it introducing this movie, but this this is a part of a string of movies in the 90s where Will Smith just plays a young hotshot and he's paired with some older white guy or other white guy, and it's just a vehicle for Will Smith's rap career. There's several movies in the 90s. <laughs> so, look, the, the writers of this movie watched Men in Black and went, yes, but but in the West. And that's, that's, that's it. That's, that's the whole movie. This film was directed by Barry Sonnenfeld. Or Sonnenfeld, I don't know how you pronounce it. No, it's Feld, it's Feld, sorry, Sonnenfeld. He directed Men in Black. Oh my God. He directed Men in Black, and they're like, hey, you want to do this too? And he said, yes. (laughs) I don't understand fucking why. I don't know on what planet he thought this was a good idea. I'm so torn because he also directed two episodes of fucking Pushing Daisies, a show I love, and he directed ten episodes of a series of Unfortunate Events, a show that I also love. And they relied on, like, that 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 whimsy, that, like, juxtaposing darkness with 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 fun light, with, the with like I said, whimsy and wonder. Uh, this film had none of that. This film was literally just like, hey... We don't know shit from shit, and it's gonna be hilarious. I don't know if this is, like, popular mythology or actually true, but, like, did Will Smith turn down The Matrix to do this movie? I feel like that's folklore, but I don't know. <laughs> All right, so one of the comments, uh, look that up, DM us. Yeah. <laughs> tweet, tweet. Tweet at Movie Arista, I think is the name. Tweet at them and let it, let him know if he turned it down. He did. I just did a Google search. He said he turned it down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, um, Drew, give your final, if you have any more final thoughts, and then your number I, rating. I, I think we have discussed this more than enough. Yeah. What, what do you give it out of 10? Um... I agree with your assessment. I give it a two out of ten. Um, it was technically a film. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes, <laughs> people were in it. Terrain, what would you give it yeah. out of ten? Uh, 
So I, I I would like to say I on the numerous times I've been on the episodes when I when I don't like movies I I tend to like overdo their bad rating because I'm like God I hated this movie in the moment and then I listen back and I'm like oh you know what it could have gone up a couple of points this one is um a one a one out of ten uh it was bad and I really think when I listen to this episode when you drop it I'm gonna go that's too fucking high terrain way too high. <laughs> yeah, like I said, the two out of ten for me was only, literally, only because the president of the United States punched a woman in the face. <laughs> I was it's I, a sign I, of equality. I, oh my God! I just read from Wikipedia that uh, Will Smith was attached, and they, and Warner Brothers pursued actor George Clooney. To play Artemis Gordon. Now, obviously, Kevin Klein went went on to play Artemis Gordon, but George Clooney went on to act in the next movie that uh, we're going to talk about uh, called Batman and Robin. Uh, Drew, uh, you suggested this, so why don't you try to sum up this this movie? Uh, Very apt. Uh, I I do want to give myself a little preamble that um, I, I think... In order to have a good podcast, you need to have films of different qualities and different tastes to, to mix it up and, and give both the recorders and, and the listeners uh, a variety of things to consume and, and chew and, and think about. And so I didn't think Terrain would outdo me in the ridiculous <laughs> film category. <laughs> so I thought I might as well bite the bullet and, and recommend a silly, stupid movie. Like... 1997, uh, Batman and Robin by the the wonderful Joel Schumacher, written by Akiva Goldsman, starring George Clooney as the titular Batman, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Victor Freeze, uh, Chris O'Donnell as, as Dick Grayson, Robin, as they try to take down Mr. Freeze and Uma Thurman's Poison Ivy. Uh, in a plot so convoluted that it probably out Southwest. Can I just say, before you try further, I feel like the writers of this movie just decided, what if, what if we took one-liners but made every line a one-liner? Yes, <laughs> that, that's what it felt like. And I was there for every single fucking one of these. Let me tell you what. <laughs> This movie was ridiculous. Sorry, if you want to keep going, go ahead. I loved it. Oh, oh, you, oh, oh that's an opinion, my friend. Oh, yes. well, okay, yeah, we'll talk about it. But I love this, this film. Took a turn. I, I thought I was gonna like this movie, and then I didn't. No. Oh. Okay. Why? Why didn't you like it? All right. Uh, so I want to start at the ninety-second mark. Yes. <laughs> Hold on, I have that written down as well. <laughs> because after the opening credits, there are close-ups of the, the, the bat suits for Batman and Robin, which includes the close-up of the infamous. If anyone knows anything about Batman and Robin, the first thing you said to me, Arista, when I said, I am suggesting 1997's Batman and Robin, you said, is that one with the bat nipples? Yes, Arista. So the 90 seconds in, you get a close-up of the, the bat suit with nipples, and then you get a, a shot of both George Clooney's, maybe his body double, and Chris O'Donnell's body double, 
their butt in latex and leather. Oh, and, and their butt. And it, it kind of, like, they told the body doubles to, like, jiggle a little bit. So, like, there, there's, there's some, some jiggleage going on. And then they do a zoom in on the belt, as you were, you were suggesting. And, like, the belt shot is just a little low, so you get full back crotch. Like, the last time Turn and I were on, you said, like, oh, Mamma Mia is a very horny movie. <laughs> like, there, there is sexual energy just pouring out. This movie's fucking horny, guys. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. was this was filled with raw sexual energy, for sure. Like, that's 100%. Batman and Robin was filled with, like, like just straight-up horny energy between, like, the superheroes and the supervillains. Well, the supervillain being Poison Ivy. Fucking Schwarzenegger's just out here making ice puns the whole time. He doesn't have time to fuck. He's trying to cure his wife and make ice puns. That's a great life. Listen, listen. I love Poison Ivy. Just, I can't get through this without laughing. I love this so much because now, ten out of eleven out of ten, everything fucking was. They dialed everything up ridiculously. All of the costumes are insane. All of the sets are insane. The fucking the city. What is the city supposed to look like? There's giant statues of like men with outstretched arms, like some Atlas Shrugged type shit, in the middle of the city. The 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 Gotham Observatory is a giant man on a cliff holding it up. I don't. <laughs> why? Why? I love it. Uh, yeah. Is what what time uh, in American history is does this film take place? <laughs> Dude, I don't know. The twenties. The 90s, the 80s, it doesn't... There are things that happen in the 20s, the 50s, and the 90s all simultaneously. It's a fever dream. The yeah. First, yeah, that's, that's putting it nicely. A fever dream. You have no idea where, like, what time period you're in, which is strange for a movie, because you'd think you'd want to know, like, about when the fuck is any of this happening. I was, I was flawed. I mean, obviously, it's at least at a time where motorcycle races were a fucking thing, I guess. Like, where coordinated gangs were dressed the same. Like, but they, oh, they, they, what, they call each other up and say, all right, go get your highlighter and dump it on your face before we go to the motorcycle gang. Uh, I just, I love it. <laughs> I just... love Clockwork Orange Gang. Clockwork Orange Gang looks yes. so good. I noticed that there's a background gang dressed all like six people dressed <laughs> Clockwork Orange. Oh, I yeah. love it! I love I love when the mad scientist in the beginning is creating Bane, and he he addresses the ununited nations. Yeah, what <laughs> was he doing? It by the way, I, I honestly I I don't know if maybe I like zoned out and just wasn't paying attention, like. Was he doing it via Skype? Like, who the fuck? Like, what was going on? They were there. Oh yeah. So then, so then, wait, 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 wait. So they were there, and then the the uh, the other scientist who will eventually become Poison Ivy comes up and is like, "I'm here to stop you." Blah blah blah. And he like walks her to this room where he like believes he murdered her, and then continues talking to the United Nations as if they're still at that exact spot. Yep. Do you have a microphone? Like, what? I'm not kidding. Did I miss a microphone on his lapel? Like, what the fuck? How did? How is he still talking at the same volume? 
Like, I was very confused. That, like, the leaders of, like, the Mujahideen, Hezbollah, <laughs> and, like, multiple Russian terrorist cells all hanging out at this one scientist's building in Gotham. And Batman has other things to do. Batman's real is busy. Up. He has, he's busy crashing Victor Freeze's, uh, Mr. Freeze's museum adventure in, oh God, that's a, that's the first 15 minutes of this movie is insane, um, in which Victor Freeze breaks into a museum, steals a diamond, Batman and Robin jump in, and then they play hockey with it to get it back. There, there is literally, there is literally an incredibly long shot of, like, motherfuckers with hockey sticks moving the diamond about on the ice like they're playing hockey. How popular was hockey at that time? Like, why was this a scene in this movie? W- was there a was there a Batman uh, comic that I just didn't know about that exclusively had Robin playing fucking hockey? What was that about? Uh, Terrain, I, I do want to educate you that in 1999... I swear uh, to God. All the Philadelphia Flyers... Uh, were henchmen for evil criminal organizations. <laughs> okay. I, oh, I thought you were going to tell me that's when Gritty was born. Created by a supervillain. Can I say, in the museum, uh, there's a part where Robin knocks over, uh, or knocks into a vase and sends it flying, and then catches it, and Batman says, you break it, you buy it. However, not... Two minutes before, Batman's the one jumping into the museum through a skylight <laughs> and jumping around. <laughs> this, oh, this movie is nonsense. It just was filled with like hilarious, unnecessary nonsense. I love see, this. See, movie. I disagree. Yes, I got it. Good. I love it too. Oh no, no, I don't love the movie. I'm sorry. I, I love. I love how ridiculous it is. I, so arrested. That, that's how Batman breaks into that scene. Do you remember how Robin breaks into that scene? Doesn't he ride his motorcycle in? Yes, and, and when he rides his motorcycle into the museum, it breaks a perfect silhouette of a <laughs> Robin. Oh my god. <laughs> of a bird. Oh. That's amazing. The, the sound effects, you guys... The sound effects did sound like, to me, comic book, what I would think for a comic book movie sound effects. Like, they were that, like, cartoonish and ridiculous. That's what... Yeah, there's a lot of slide whistle. (laughs) (laughs) Even, like, with, like, the fights when, when, like, uh, Batman's thrown down the steps by Bane... Um, or I think it's Robin. This it doesn't matter. One of those dummies were thrown down the steps by Bane. It's just like the the sound that it made was just like the most cartoonish fight noises I could I could fathom. It was amazing. I'm like, why? How are how are these the sounds? Again, this was another film where I'm like, did anyone look at this and go, I don't think this is gonna be good. <laughs> I don't think we're doing a good thing. Oh yeah. I, I want to talk about the biggest crime this movie commits. So, Drew, how many times has Arnold won Mr. Olympia? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is seven-time Mr. Olympia. Uh, thank okay. you for mentioning that because I'm a big fan of bodybuilding and a big fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I'm not going to argue that this is a high point in his career. No, no, no. Listen, 
So when describing the backstory of Victor Freeze, they say he's a two-time Olympic decathlon runner, which is all oh, cardio. Oh, he's it's literally right. all unbelievably wrong. <laughs> so yeah. how, do you, how do you get that massive doing all cardio? That's 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 the biggest travesty of this movie. Yes, cardio kills gains. Please, dear listener, stop running. Start lifting weights. <laughs> twelve to twelve. They oh, also like they also they also his costume or his makeup. Literally, I'm not kidding. Hat was like to the level of they were walking down the street to get to their building to write the show. And they saw, like, one of the, like, silver pretend robot people on the sidewalk and went, fuck it. That's what we'll do. This is great. I can't believe we just found this costume. Who does your makeup? Bring them in here. We'll give them $10,000 a night to do this dummy's makeup. Like, it was it was so unbelievably bad. And I think maybe it's just because I'm, like, spoiled by, like, MCU now where all that shit looks, like, really good. But this looked unbelievably bad <laughs> can we talk about alfred pennyworth who comes from a line of butlers his his like brothers yeah. also a butler, and like his family are all butlers what the fuck is that <laughs> alfred is like a straight up in a lot of stuff i i the stuff that i've seen I, that i very much enjoy alfred's like a fucking badass like ex-military um, and he's just doing this, I guess, to, like, calm his nerves or whatever. Uh, but, like, this was just, like, come, a line of butlers. Like, my dad, my father was a butler, and his father was a butler. <laughs> I, it's, oh, God, sorry. Ridiculous. <laughs> Alicia Silverstone is playing uh, Alfred's cousin. I'm sorry, not cousin, uh, niece. Um, and she mentions that she's coming over from London from some made-up academy but she has oh, an hang on hang on the made-up academy by the way the, again here's what they did for research they're like she's going to school in london um what are some famous famous uk academies well there's oxford and there's cambridge perfect that's where she's from which one both of them it's called oxbridge yes yes yep yeah <laughs> why did you catch that oh. they're just like fuck it we don't have to do any work fuck it it's oxbridge boom done <laughs> Why does she have an American accent? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> they could have thrown a line like, oh, and I grew up in America, but I returned to England. No, she's literally like, yeah, I'm from London. <laughs> yeah, like, what? Clueless isn't from London. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, so there's. I want to highlight um, that Victor Freeze is not the only one who throws out puns. Every, like, every character gets a Everybody. Puns. There's a part where there's a motorcycle race, and then it ends with uh, Batgirl and Robin kind of dropping their motorcycles and then like, ending up hanging off a cliff. And then Robin turns her and says, "Oh, so this is where you hang out?" I just I wanted to I wanted to end it. <laughs> like, that was it's it is oh my goodness. So all right, we're on to the puns, right? We're on to the puns. So let. Let's go. Let's give some of the give some of your favorites. Um, What's your favorite pun? Uh, uh, my fa- I don't know if I have a specific favorite, but I'm gonna give one of my favorite, um, which is <laughs> "Ice to see you." <laughs> yeah. 
Like, I was like, all right, man. Ice to sue you. Got it. My my favorite one is when uh, Freeze breaks into the auction, freezes people and says, all right, everyone, chill. <laughs> yes! All right, everyone, oh. chill. <laughs> hey, Dude, what, you- what killed the dinosaurs? Yes! Oh my goodness. And Poison Ivy is seducing Robin, and Robin's like, I need a sign. And she says, How about slippery when wet? And he goes, No, I need you to tell me your plan. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That movie's very horny. So yeah. if we're gonna if we're gonna steer ourselves to Poison Ivy, I do wanna say uh, Uma Thurman gets an A plus for me. She was doing her everything in this movie. She was giving absolutely everything to the garbage they put in front of her. Fucking, if there's an MVP for this specific movie, it is Uma Thurman, no question about it. Wait, how can we admonish Selma Hayek and give praise to Uma Thurman? Selma Selma Hayek wasn't given anything to do, and she was boring while she wasn't doing anything. Uh, Uma Thurman is trying to do everything. He's giving a horrible script and did a good job with it. All right, I can. A terrorist who wants to fuck. Yes. Okay. Okay. What? So we know Victor Freeze's motivation is to find a cure for some made-up Lou Gehrig's disease analog uh, to save his wife. What is Poison Ivy's motivation? What is she trying to do? She wants to to save the. God, you got. Yeah, she wants to save the earth with by reducing like emissions and cutting back on fossil fuels and growing plants and combining like what is she in in the intro she's like talking to herself when she's just a mild mannered scientist and she's like uh, my my experiments to cross venom with plants in order for get, to get them to spread is not working something like that. Uh, what else you got, Corinne? She was trying to pass the Green New Deal. She, no, she, like, she was, no, she, like, 100% was, like, I need to save uh, the Earth, and the biggest problem with the Earth right now is these dummies on it, I need to kill a bunch of them, and then, boom, the Earth's saved. I think that's what her arc is. I was just gonna, by the way, I love the AOC reference, because the only woman I find more attractive than Uma Thurman is AOC, so... I was uh, not specifically referencing AOC, but I'm fine that you went there. That, that's just, like, my two favorite women rolled up into one. Um, <laughs> I like how when Poison Ivy crashes the auction, she's wearing a gorilla costume, and then says, let's stop monkeying around, and then takes it off. Wasn't Bane also wearing a gorilla costume? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember I was watching the scene. I was watching it on Sunday. I'm watching the scene, and Katrina's like on the couch across from me, so she doesn't see the screen, but she hears like the dumbass music they're playing at the party. And I'm like, Katrina, this is ridiculous. And I'm like, oh wait, hang on, a giant monkey has just arrived. And I'm like, oh, hold up, there's another one. Like, what are these motherfuckers doing? Can I? Real quick, since we're on Poison Ivy, um, so her, like, and, and this is actually a big thing for, like, everybody, her costumes seem to just be, uh, like, 
cover for her eyes and then like you know the green the green suit at the bottom but i'm specifically eye covering it was like just a cover for her eyes everyone should know who she is bruce wayne should bruce wayne should very at the very least know who she is because she just fucking accosted him at a place like face to face how is he not like i know that lady same with robin he just covers his eyes someone should be like no i've I've seen that motherfucker before (laughs) i know that guy yeah yeah same with batgirl she's literally just like the same thing you should look at it's it's similar to like the clerk can't oh well i'm wearing glasses so no one knows the fuck i am like what are you talking about how is this your thing uh we need to talk about the bat credit card (laughs) because that's that's listen this is why i love this movie it's because it it's literally you could say it doesn't take itself seriously, but it, it dials even not taking itself seriously up to 11. The fact that Batman's like trying to auction to maybe bang Poison Ivy or something uh, with a credit card, <laughs> he goes, it's okay, I'll just put it on the card and whips it out and it says it's good through forever. That's, when the That's what I was going to say. The expiration date said forever. <laughs> <laughs> like... That, uh, oh my god, <laughs> I can't even deal with it. The, ooh, so when Poison Ivy is like, when when Robin goes and explains, like, you know, like, goes with Poison Ivy and is like, I need you to tell me your plan, blah, 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 you tell me your plan, I'll let you kiss me, blah, 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 blah. I was literally watching, and the only thing I could focus on were his lips, because I'm like, they're shinier than I've ever seen at all. Mm. There's clearly something on his lips. He's wearing lip gloss, for fuck's sake. How is she not noticing? I'm noticing. It is the shiniest substance I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I don't understand how no one noticed that. And then he just peels it off after he kisses her. I'm like, fuck face. Come on. This is obvious. Uh, is this the first time you've seen this movie, Terrain? This is literally the first time I've seen this movie. I've heard, I've heard, oh. I've heard tell of this movie and how ridiculous it is, and the rumors were true. This is bonkers. I I'm, this is man nuts. At one point, there's a car chase on a giant statue, and they go down the arm of the statue up up to the hand and jump off one of the fingers. That's. But not Robin, because he can't make it. <laughs> oh, yeah! Bro. Batman's like, no, Robin, you have to stay back. And Robin's like, oh, I'm gonna do it. And Batman's like, don't. And then just overrides his, like, fucking car or bike. I don't remember what the fuck it was. <laughs> like, dude, like an override, essentially treating uh, Robin like a child, which Robin doesn't like. But there's a lot of, like, daddy-son sexual energy in it. Oh, we'll, we'll get there. Please. <laughs> there. Um, there's a scene where Robin is submerged in, he's wrapped in vines and thrown in water and like drowning. And so he like struggles his way out, but, and then he gets dragged back into the water from the vines. But rather than show him getting dragged back in the water, they literally play the footage of him getting out in reverse. I don't know if Oh, oh my god, Could you get, do you have the timestamp on that? Because there's no fucking way I'm not going to go back and watch that. I don't, but it was it was after the, uh, it was like right after the scene where he kisses uh, Poison Ivy and goes, oh these are 
<laughs> they just played it in reverse? Blink and you'll miss it. It's only like maybe half for one second, but I noticed it and I was like, what is this? Why did they do that? Like, there's no point to that. That's so, incredible. Oh, I like how, uh, so in the end, Mr. Freeze takes over the uh, observatory and there's two scientists working there. And so Mr. Freeze freezes the two scientists. They get unthawed. And then immediately after they get unthawed, they get like rammed by the giant telescope. And as they're getting rammed by the telescope, one of them says, ah, I guess it's just one of those days. Oh my. God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you also, did you notice that the keyboard for the telescope was not the standard QWERTY keyboard? Cause I did. And that annoyed me. What? So, how are you watching this film with a fucking eagle eye? <laughs> I uh, I don't know. It was just he takes his he takes his pod seriously. Yeah. Um, going back to the going back to the um to the telescope scene, didn't Batman really like risk a lot for like to just assume that? those scientists have the upper body strength to just hold themselves up for as long as he let them sit there. Like, yeah. they were dangling. They were dangling above, like, if they would let go, they would perish from the earth. And Batman's like, you guys are fine. <laughs> I got this. Let me just, uh, let me work my keyboard magic. Also fight somebody. You guys could just hold on for as long as humanly possible. Like, I'm, I'm like, they're scientists. They don't look like they're, you know, buff scientists, like they've been working out in the gym. Like, they're just holding on for dear life, and Batman's like, they'll be fine. I, I, I feel like they'll be able to hold on to this for 20 minutes. Terrain, this is the same universe where a the leading, like, cryophysicist is played by seven-time Mr. Olympia Arnold. <laughs> I think you mean two-time world. Scientists are fucking jacked. No, yeah, no, he got all those, all those muscles doing cardio, so. <laughs> I want to say, uh, also, Poison Ivy, when she's, she emerges from the ground, fully Poison Ivy-fied, she says that my blood, my blood has been replaced with aloe, my skin is chlorophyll, and my lips with venom. <laughs> I, I want to like. I want to know what the direction was for delivering the lines because every character, except for who I consider the worst character, George Clooney, I think he's the worst part of this movie. Every I think he tried to do his like Clooney charm, and like movie, you, he didn't go above, and he didn't go above. Like go more like more than just like at base level, and that's what he's good at in like films that are normal. But this was not a normal film. This was a straight up trash fire. You have to be throwing it all out in the field. Yep. All right. So I, I think it's time to bring it up. That I want to think. I want to ask: Is this movie queer coded? Is this a gay movie? I I was I have a. a Similar, however, diverging theory. Uh, I, I want you to present your evidence on why this is a queer-coded movie. Sure. So I, I, I'm just going off of what I read as like background. George Clooney himself has stated that he intentionally played Bruce Wayne as a closeted gay man. So when you watch the scenes with him like talking to his girlfriend, I'm putting air quotes around that, 
she asks him, like, why don't you want to get married? And he says, like, oh, I'm not the marriage type. And then he says, there's things about me you wouldn't believe or you wouldn't understand. There's things about me you wouldn't oh. understand. And obviously, you you know, oh, he's Batman, right? But if you kind of look at it through the lens of he's a gay man and this is the 90s, like, it's less than acceptable. So that's sort of what I base this off of. That um, can't be your only evidence. <laughs> it's not. It's not. There's a, like, there's a lot of... Well, Joel okay. Schumacher is an openly gay man himself, the director. So, oh, I didn't know that. I, there's, Drew, just, just go ahead. Take it, take it, take it away. Um, so, so here is my diverging conclusion. Um, this movie is a crash course and introduction into fetish. Here we go. Yep, go ahead. I just wanted that to sit with you guys for a second. I'm um, on board. Keep going. All right. So, like, again, 90 seconds in, we have our leather latex kind of jiggly thing going on. Yes. We want you to know what's going on. Yes. Um, our second set stage, we have Bane getting strapped down, leather, by the way. Uh, put on a luchador mask that doesn't get explained, um, kind of a gimp thing, and then gets injected with a concoction that transforms him. Uh, transformation isn't also a common fetish, um, particularly like bimbofication, which is kind of like again getting big and stupid and dumb. But we'll get to that later. Um, and then our following scene, we have Uma Thurman also having a transformation scene, another fetish. But then we have vines that kind of are both coded in kind of a bondage kind of way, as well as um, this is where we get some like tentacle kind of um, symbols as well. Yeah, man, I, I, I think this is very like, oh, oh, by the way, in Uma Thurman, like in her ability like to, she has like a dom yeah. fetish going on. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I can't argue with that. I agree fully. The and the the vines with like the binding and and sort of torture. This is. Stuff. I I think it, it's like uh, people who didn't know that they had fetishes after they watched this movie are like, oh, I liked that, and I don't want to explore why. Also, Quilly is in this movie. Do you have Do you have any thoughts about this, Corrine? Anything? I think you're. I think you both are going somewhere with it. Um, <clears throat> I think. I think Drew kind of definitely is right. I think that he has like compelling evidence. There's clear, you know, clear, uh, you know, late, like really super tight latex. And I know it's a, a comic book film, so that makes sense. But then there's also the 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 vine bondage. There's the fact that Poison Ivy's been doming Bane the entire time. Um, like there's there's a lot. I, I agree, and I, I I definitely agree that there's like palpable sexual energy, and like I, I think sometimes it borders on like you know with with. Uh, um, with Robin towards Batman, like sometimes it seems like it's like I'm I'm yearning for your approval, and sometimes it feels like it, it's a little bit more um, you know sensual and romantic. So I, I agree. I think that I think they both track. They, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to say I want to let you guys know this movie tanked so badly. It sucked so badly. 
that they stopped making Batman movies altogether until it was rebooted by the Christopher Nolan franchise. Yeah, this is- they had they had sequels planned. Sorry, go ahead, but they had sequels planned. Yeah, I was going to say this is the reason why we have the dark and gritty DC universe is because they did this, and then Christopher Nolan made it. You know, came out with an actual serious Batman, and then that's why we have the dark and gritty movies now. So you you can blame this on everything. <laughs> yeah. If if it weren't for this film, we never would have been able to see Bat- see uh, the Dark Knight um, and the wonderful performances by the likes of like Heath Ledger. It wouldn't exist because they this this had to be so unbelievably bad that they went. We cannot let this happen again. Yeah. <laughs> Change everything about this and change it today <laughs> I, I do want to say before we start wrapping up this bane is my definitive bane so the dark knight rises bane has nothing on this this like dominated venom induced in his brain bane this bane is like an uncontrollable rage monster in one moment at, like even with even with the toxins like not being like uh, pumped through like by hitting the button, even when it's just when he's just like just being himself, he like he gets he's super angry, but then like poison ivy gets him to like fucking drive a car. <laughs> when he's, he's chauffeuring around poison ivy, I almost cried laughing. I'm like, why? He gets like the hat on and a jacket. Yeah, thank you. I'm gonna. He gets fucking dressed up for this. Oh, what? Okay, so Drew, um, what are your final thoughts? Do you have anything more to say about this movie? I, um, oh god, um, hold on, I'm gonna into my notes here. The pages. Well, I love that you have pages of notes. While while you're looking, uh, one of the things I forgot to mention earlier was in the very beginning when. Mr. Freeze makes an ice hockey rink. Batman and Robin click their heels, and then hockey, uh, hockey shoes. Blades, blades, they get blades. <laughs> yeah, love it. This is this is the perfect movie. I don't understand this, why you guys hate it. This movie's insane. Uh, Drew, did you find your your information? Um, yes. So so two concluding thoughts, mostly about Batgirl. Uh. As yeah, Terrain called her clueless, uh, <laughs> love the nineties. Uh, so when she finds her own bat suit, which is also through a convoluted plot that I won't bother, um, they do a close up also of her of her breasts, her crotch, her butt, and her heels. Her bat suit has heels. Yes. Show my oh, um, Like. That scene was less less sexy than when Batman and Robin did it. I just want to say that. You're not wrong. <laughs> and she's also supposed to be like a computer expert. And but when she gets Alfred's computer, she just starts plugging in passwords willy nilly. Like one, two, three, four, click. And that's how she goes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And there's no way that his password's just gonna be 
like the base thing. I mean, he's not going to throw numbers at it. He's not going to throw any special characters in the. No, it wouldn't just. I think it was the th- wasn't it Peg. Wasn't it Peg? It was like a three-letter word. By the way, what? <laughs> no, it's the pet name for Margaret, isn't it? It is. Yeah, but but, but that's yes. not. No, you still no. Sensitive information behind three letters. <laughs> like at least my work password is nurse biceps one two three. Oh shit! Uh oh. <laughs> 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 All right, everyone, chill. Oh, uh, okay. So, Tareen, or Drew, did you have any more concluding? Um, I I give this movie a uh, two point five out of ten. It was enjoyable, however ridiculous, and never grounded you in reality. Oh, that is something we can agree on. This is not grounded in any sort of reality. Uh, Drew, what, I'm sorry, Tareen, what about you? I thought, I no, it's okay. I love being mistaken for Drew. He's a sexy man. I really wish that was me. I uh, thought this movie was absolutely bonkers. I think it's like also insane that, and I'm not saying the number 23 was a great film, but Joel Schumacher directed that film as well. He also directed two episodes of House of Cards, like the American series that did well i don't understand how he did it i don't get it it's amazing um i so i don't know this was a whole lot oh also um the the writer of the film also wrote like the da vinci code series (laughs) so have fun with that dummies i think that this movie was uh weird and I didn't like it at the time. I still don't like it, but I got to give it like a two and a half out of 10. It is, some of it is like absolutely like slapsticky crazy. And it like, when, when you start to like, when you start to lose interest, it does usually do something to shake that up or it puts Uma Thurman back on the screen and like, thank God for her, because if she was not in this, this would be a trash heap to end all trash heaps. Legs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> showed off her assets really well. Um, uh, well, I, I, I mean, I truly mean that, like, the insane, like, over-the-top way she played Poison Ivy was oh, wonderful no. for me. Oh, I agree. There, every line she delivered was, like, had some extra oomph to it. Like, I, I can't right. really explain it without mocking it badly, so I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. It's just so good. Listen, listen. We're, we're, I was never bored once this whole movie. I was entertained for two hours. This goddamn movie's two hours long. I want to say that. It's, it's yeah, I didn't crazy. like that. I was it's real upset hours. when I saw that. Listen, I loved it. I loved every second of it because it was stupid and ridiculous and insane. I can't believe it was made. I can't believe people made this, presented this in like a boardroom somewhere and went amazing. Perfect. We need to get this greenlit right away. I'm giving this a hundred out of 10. Okay. Because. Oh my God. Wow. All right. So the rating system means nothing folks. Move on. Well, like, how do I, okay. How do I, how do you seriously rate this? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how, because <laughs> why do you there's no metric known to humanity that can encapsulate 1997's Batman and Robin. You you want to like quality wise the sex 
as ridiculous as they were, they were good. They were like done well. Everything looked good. They, they it was clearly miniatures blowing up and stuff, and I thought that looked really good. So like the sets were cool. The costume design, while ridiculous, was also cool. Like I, oh my I god, the worst part of this movie was Arnold fighting his accent. Like that's that's. I don't know how he's an Austrian. I don't know how to rate this. Like, I don't know. I'll say a five out of ten, I guess, because if you're gonna... you know, don't let me bring you back down to reality. If you want to like this movie a hundred out of ten, you can. I just want to say a couple things first. One, the costumes were a disaster. Two, yep. the sets were trash. Yes. <laughs> Three, this was not a good movie. But no. if you like it a hundred out of ten, you fucking do it. But I appreciate a world where it's like, Arista's like, okay, Casablanca, the Ten Commandments, <laughs> and her 1997 Batman and Robin. Listen, it's, it's like, yeah, Train, you're not wrong. You're correct. But also, also, he pulls out a fucking Batman credit card to pay for a night with a woman. Uh, <laughs> what do you, how can you not? I'm not going to lie, that moment was a 10 out of 10. <laughs> like, it's, it's, uh, I, I don't know how to, like, properly give this a numerical value. Uh, value. I, I don't. I really, truly, I don't. So I, I think uh, I'll leave it at that because I think I think everybody should watch this. I recommend anybody to watch this movie. I loved it. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about an actual good movie. <laughs> uh, which is a movie that I recommended called Sorry to Bother You, um, which is from 2018. Uh, and the director of the movie, uh, named Boots Riley, described it, he described it as an absurdist dark comedy with aspect of magical realism and science fiction inspired by the world of telemarketing. And that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of this film. Uh, so let me try to sum this up a little bit. Um, this movie is about a man named Cassius Green, who is several months behind on his rent. So he joins a call center job uh, performing cold calls, selling, I think it was thesauruses. Uh, and eventually he gets, he does so well that he gets promoted into what's called a power caller, where he goes uh, up onto a new floor. Everyone wears suits. There's a lot of like work hard, play hard kind of attitude. Uh, the real like broy culture uh, work wise. And he starts selling a product called Worry Free where people work in a factory, but then also live and eat in that factory. So they don't have to have any bills to pay like mortgage or rent or groceries. So they live where they work. It's sort of a callback to the old like miners towns where the company paid you, but the company also owned the store uh, sort of deal. Um, anyway, he does so well uh, selling this worry-free product that he gets an invite to meet the CEO of worry-free at a party. And so Cash goes to the party, uh, meets the CEO named Steve Lift, played by Army Hammer, who reveals that he has genetically engineered horse people named Equisapiens to work harder, better, and faster than regular humans. And he wants Cash to become the Martin Luther King of the Equisapiens and uh, lead them to work better, I guess, I think is what it was. And so Cash gets freaked out. He runs out, and this turns into a revolution for workers' rights. But, however, in the end, uh, the government, seeing the profits go up, and they praise the work ethic of Equisapiens, and worry-free's stocks shoot way up. Cash is himself turned into an Equisapien. Uh, there's several side characters, um, like some of the call center people. Cash's girlfriend, whose name is Detroit, 
played by uh, an actress whose name I can't remember. Tessa Thompson. Tessa Thompson, yeah. Uh, so Detroit, played by Tessa Thompson. Then you have a man named Squeeze, played by Stephen Ewan, who is uh, trying to organize labor rights within the uh, call center. Uh, there's more. Uh, there's more. Let's let's get into it. I, I want to ask Drew, did you like this movie? What did you think? I love this movie more than the other two, which is <laughs> I, I don't sound like okay. Um, but please know that like there's a lot of like leftist themes in this movie, so it was like really up my alley. Oh yeah. Um, Why well, I picked this? There's also a again poignant this week. There's a lot of conversation about race relations as well, and I I mean I have thoughts and. For the few members of the audience who can't tell, uh, I am a suburban white male. So we'll, we'll get into that hot take. Um, I, I also want to propose the question to you two. The three movies that we uh, have seen in the past week um, have included some very profound uh, leading ladies. So I also want to ask for your rankings of the incomparable Tessa Thompson, Selma Hayek, versus Uma Thurman. Who is your crush of the week? Go. Ooh. Well, Uma Thurman. Are we talking about crush of the week, or are we talking about how they did in the films they were in? Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, if we're going straight films, it has to be Uma Thurman, but if I'm talking, like, who I've had a crush on forever, it's been Salma Hayek forever. Like, Forever. Also, I love also I love Tessa Thompson and her as um her as Valkyrie. Fucking oh my goodness, she's amazing. She's incredible, and she made me want to watch Men in Black International. I didn't, but she made me want to. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, that movie. Drew, <laughs> who is yours, real quick? Tessa Thompson. Um, but that might. Not surprised who I really like artsy girls, and so Detroit here is a revolutionary. She's an artist. However, I think we get to a point in the movie where there's uh, we expose some of the hypocrisy because there is a aspect of the film where we talk about assuming your white voice, mm-hmm. uh, which is not just sounding like a white person over the phone, which is valuable. Having a white sounding name and uh, having sounding white over the phone will get you more job interviews. It's well studied. Um, but the white voice is, as described by Danny Glover's character, uh, what I wish I sounded like. The the voice that you sound successful, that you sound that you don't have any worries. That I believe there's a line that says, after you're done with the call, it sounds like you're going to hop into your Ferrari and go to your squash game. Yeah, right. Uh, so when Tessa Thompson gives her art performance... When Detroit gives her our performance, she assumes her white voice, the voice that you want to present to the world. I just want to say that her white voice is Lily James, who, you know, was in yes. Mamma Mia. Baby Driver, baby. Baby Driver. No, no, no. Mamma Mia 2. Mamma Mia 2. Oh, oh, God. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so every aspect of this movie, I mean, literally everything can be analyzed. It was dripping, dripping with symbolism, everything. I, I I saw this in theaters when it came out. I think I might have been like one of six people, uh, but I really liked it. Now, uh, Terrain, what did you uh, what did you think of the movie? 
I, okay, I had a lot of different feelings towards the movie. Um, and, I mean, I watched it before the week's events unfolded. Um, so I'm not sure if maybe it, there are spots in here that have, like, changed where I am. Um, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, I think uh, the I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with like the beginning part because I know we're gonna get to the fucking end eventually. Um, But but like the beginning was so like was so to me um, I thought it was really really good for the for the sheer fact that it showed like this this complex struggle for this specific person. He's like you know I you have to you have to use a white voice to be successful. Um, which I think is, uh, by the way, if you can't tell, I'm black. <laughs> um, but I, I think that like, like, I think it, it gives it like, you have to use that to be successful. And he was able to use that voice to, um, move up in his workplace to get to a place where he's able to, um, help, um, you know, help people that need help. Like his, um, uncle who's played by Terry Crews in the worst wig I've ever seen, um, and, you know, he's, like, he's doing, like, he's making the money so he can give it to, like, he can give it to people who need it, as well as help himself, because he needs that help as well. Um, and then you see, like, others around him forming to, like, try to, you know, speak truth to power in the sense that the place that they're working is straight up garbage and they need a union, and, and that's, and that's good. And then he's asked, essentially, to, um, sacrifice his success for the betterment of everybody else, and, that's a that's not a, an easy decision to make when you're you know black poor and are like living paycheck to paycheck um yep. so like i i think it like gave like just a bunch of different uh different positions and different like ways you can feel about it like you can feel like wow this guy's a fucking sellout all of his friends need help the community needs help and he's choosing you know to continue to work for this terrible place but then you also have like this motherfucker needs to put food in his table his car is is literally when he pulls up at a gas station he can get 40 cents of gas and the car looks like it's going to explode yesterday and his uncle is you know just like I, I don't, I don't have the money. You haven't paid me rent in four months. I don't have the money to keep this place. The bank's gonna foreclose on it. Like it gives, it gives so many different like, uh, pr- like pro- uh, perspectives of, of how this is. Right. Yeah. There, it's not as simple as he was wrong. He should have joined the strike um, or stayed with the strike, or he was he was right. He should have gone to like like. It doesn't give you that easy out. It makes you think about it from a bunch of different perspectives. I, I want to elaborate because that idea that there are no easy answers here, which makes this a great film. Um, there's this line by a character who I'm going to call Mr. Blank. That's yeah. right. um, no, please. Who is, call me Blank. <laughs> yeah, uh, who is Cash's mentor in the power caller world. Um, and he Cash is feeling used and abused and he's crying and kind of looking into the universe despondent and Mr. Blank says we don't cry about what it should be we thrive in the what is Yeah. and I feel like we were literally just having this conversation this week in our group chat where you know a, a member who I'm not going to name kind of called out some of our far leftist members 
being like, <laughs> you live in a capitalist society, yet you still buy things. Hey, hey, wait, 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 wait. We do not call out others in the group chat. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. You're right, that was mean. Um, but, but there is this idea in the film where it's like, no, you live in a capitalist society. You have to either participate or die. And that's right. not much of an option at all. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the, the reason why I picked this movie, uh, really, for, was to have uh, some discussion now uh, about it, obviously. But I picked this a couple of weeks ago before a lot of things went down, before really COVID kind of took off, obviously before this week's actions. And it's insane to me how it's still relevant. Uh, I initially, the first time I saw this movie, I, thought, I saw it in theaters, like I said. The reason why I saw it was because I thought it'd be funny because I had a call center job and I could relate to some of the early struggles of being in a call center, obviously, uh, there's an extent to what I could relate to with Cassius, but um, that's why I wanted to go see it initially. But Terrain, going to your point where you were talking about how there's no easy answer, and for cash, it's just more about getting money to you know, live somewhere, pay his uncle. That's, you can kind of relate that to today uh, with COVID, why some people want the economy to open up so they can run their small businesses. That sort of thing. Not the yahoos that yeah. need haircuts, but the yahoos who want to give haircuts. That's kind of what I mean. I agree. I think I think that you can you can sort of you can sort of parlay it to that. Yeah, when you know there are people who are like, I, I need we need this uh, income in order to um, in order to feed our family, in order to keep a roof over our head, in order to because because though and and I, here's where I get where people are upset at to an extent. They closed, you know, businesses are closed. And they fucking should be, by the way. I'm not, I, I just want to be very, very clear. I am very much in favor of the governor's uh, closing of the businesses and slowly opening them um, while also looking at data to see if anything spikes so that we know if we need to close again. I, I think that's very, very fair and exactly what should be happening. What also should be happening in this moment is a rent freeze. What also should be happening in this moment is more than just $1,200 one time for motherfuckers to be able to live on. That's not what you can live on. So I get, I like, that's, that's the, that's the struggle. That's literally the struggle. And then you, and then in this film, you add the, the element of it's an African American uh, guy trying to fucking get by and he's you know in, in, living in a fucking garage he doesn't have a place he is staying in the garage at this point rent free because he can't pay rent because he doesn't he's not able to pay rent and the person whose garage it is isn't going to have that garage let alone house anymore uh like it is it is so like it, it so it uh exemplifies the struggle that happens for for like you know working people and, and and people people of color it's 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 really fucking hard it's it's really fucking hard and then you know with your with with the employment opportunity if your name is something that like like drew said which it is well researched if your name is something like i don't know for example terrain myricks it's not fucking easy for you to get a job because they're not if it, 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 you I mean look at it you look at it on a thing it's hard to fucking pronounce it's it's it, 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 <laughs> People are more used to and more accepting and more inclined to give an interview to John Smith than Hi, to... Hi, my name is Andrew, calling from this hospital. Can I <laughs> yeah. That was my white voice. All right, all yeah. right, listeners, if you enjoyed that segment, I want you to tune into Alcoholics, which is a podcast Terrain does. Good plug. 
So tune into Alcoholics. Uh, but now I really, appreciate that. <laughs> good, good. I'm a frequent guest, so you know, I'm plugging myself in a sense. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I've been on once. <laughs> to relate it back to sorry to bother you, um, I want to kind of go 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 about this point by point. So I want to start with the theme of capitalism and then exhaustion of capitalism and like labor and stuff uh, because I, I think that's uh, some of not as as large of a theme than the, the race the racial theme but I think the second theme is going to be the anti-capitalism stuff so I want to ask Drew what do you think of Stephen Ewan's character of Squeeze he's a um, guy who goes around from place to place yes. Just inciting these union um, pro labor movements and then moves on. Yes, mostly because when I saw Stevie Wen's character, I have a, a personal friend in my life who has a very similar role. Um, he calls himself an organizer. That's what he does. As he goes to places and organizes, what resources do you need? Who do you need to get in contact with? How do we form a union? That is what Nick does. And so um, Stevie Wen's character, Squeeze, has that similar uh transient nature where like he's not at one place at one time always but he recognizes that there is a problem and that organization is the way to solve it um but there is this as you were mentioning like uh capitalist exhaustion and that feeling of burnout under capitalism is such a real like the opening the first scene of the movie um Cash lies and, and to get a job. He says, you know, I was manager at this place. Um, you know, I, I have this employee of the month. And none of that's true because, you know, you got to do what you got to do to get the job. And then the following scene, he's in bed with Detroit and he says, uh, do you ever think about when we'll die? Like, <laughs> what will I have done that has mattered? Yep. Um, because I... The, the longest I have been unemployed was three months, and it was three, which is nothing compared to so many people, and it really messed my brain up. I felt useless. I couldn't do anything. I I was I wasn't making money, and therefore my relationships, both romantic and friendship wise, were deteriorating because I couldn't even function in those without the structure of a fucking job, um, and so. Cash, who is underemployed, if not unemployed at that point, asked that question because in a capitalist society, we are pressured, or at least our self-worth is tied to our production and, and what we make. And so if you're not making anything, you have no purpose. Um, I do love Detroit's answer, though. Um, it matters in the moment. When I kiss you, it is, for po it is not for posterity's sake, which is... Ooh, when I kiss you, it is not for posterity's sake. There are things that we do that are not for the future. They are for us. Stop thinking like that. Um, but yeah, man, that, that feeling like you're not good enough until you make the money. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I want to add uh, back to the original question with, about Squeeze. Uh, I do like everything you said after that, but... I, I want to throw back at you. I don't think Squeeze is actually that good of a character. Uh, he is a good character. Let me rephrase. I don't think he's a good person. I think, you know, the starting a revolution and then up and leaving isn't good. You need to stay and kind of lead the charge and change things and see these changes continue. Uh, 
uh, and hold front. Instead, he just goes from place to place to place, uh, kind of sowing these seeds and then leaving. I, I don't think that's starting the work. It, that's the fun part, absolutely. The actual dealing with the fallout and working through it, that's the hard part. And that's where you do have a hard time having people stick. And I think that's such an accurate representation of what I have seen and what I've participated in my personal life. So, Terrain, um, you, well, what did you think of the, uh, the portion in the end in which they think that this worry-free exposure is going to lead to a big revolution, but in fact, it just... They have the government, the Democrats and Republicans come together to congratulate the CEO of Worry Free, which has the live-in kind of workforce, almost, I, dare I say, slave labor. Um, what do you think of, what do you think of that? Well, they, they, came, they came together to uh, congratulate them at the end for the amazing, <laughs> for the amazing invention of Equisapiens, which I think was a, a larger, more fanciful um, point than, than, you know, what, like, I think that it was like a, essentially sort of like a, you know, a, a metaphor for how both, it's not just one party, like both parties are yes. equally involved in the, uh, propping up of big businesses, the fucking over the little guy, uh, not actually caring too much about, um, the common people, but being, you know, beholden to corporate profits. I think that that is 100% accurate. And if you can if you can decipher that from what was being put on the screen, you're like, yeah, got it. But I don't think in any normal, in any, in any uh, real life situation, uh, both parties would be uh, ecstatic about the fact that they're able to turn people into horses. I think one party would be real, real stoked about it, though. Okay, so yeah, the Democrats because our our uh, sign is a donkey, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's closer to us. <laughs> I, I do want to keep. I do want to keep on the, the the discussion talking points. However, since we've already brought up the Equisapiens, at what point in this movie did you go? Either of you, did you go? What the fuck is happening? So, Drew, yes. was there a point where you were like, "What the fuck"? Um. So. Yeah, man, when he's at the CEO of um, Worry Free, which I thought they were going to bring up a whole bunch of topics because this is where we get into a lot of the racial issues, I would argue. We'll, we'll get um, there. Uh, I do want to we'll say that. There. But, uh... I know, I know. but then he makes a wrong turn, and this horrified, twisted body of an Equisapien who is in abject pain falls out of a bathroom stall. And that was the moment where I was like, Oh no, this is an unexpected turn. Listen, I watched it because I just went in with a going, expecting a comedy that I could relate to because I worked in the call center. And I walked out of it ready to overthrow my <laughs> big business. And horse, there's horse dicks in this movie. There is humans with horse heads <laughs> and horse dicks. And I just, there's a, there's a distinct part where I just went, what the fuck? And it's enough. Terrain, did you have a, I'm assuming you had a similar sort of. Uh, so, so speaking on specifically, I know we're going to get to, um, we're going to get to what was uh, happening before, but uh, speaking specifically on the Equisapiens, they threw that at us, I want to say, fucking 
40, sorry, with 34 minutes left in the movie. And I, I legitimately, I was watching it. I'm like, I'm like, I see this, that. I'm like, I'm like, I got it. I got it. I see what the, like, I was vibing with the movie. I was getting it. I'm like, I'm in. I, I see the different aspects. This is amazing. Oh, man, he did some cocaine. That's, I mean, yeah, man, he's in like a real fucking crazy spot. He's trying to fucking fit it up. He's got to go pee. Okay. He's not going to watch that movie. He's got to go pee. Oh, man, someone in the bathroom. That's weird. I guess that's what, what the fuck's going on? What is this? Yep. How is this? Yeah. Whoa! What? I I am not kidding you when I say I was I stopped it. I looked and I'm like, okay, we're an hour and sixteen minutes into an hour and fifty minute movie. How the fuck did they spring this on me right now? <laughs> How did they do this right now? This is bananas. What are you talking about? This was why I told you when I suggest this movie. I told you guys to not. Look up anything about the movie. Don't even at all. Just go in with one. I didn't, and I honestly kind of wish I did. Because <laughs> I, I don't think I was prepared for that on a Sunday while trying to, like, come down from a hangover. <laughs> yep. So, uh, and the, the, the one of the Equisapiens was voiced by Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. And the voice in the elevator was voiced by Rosario Dawson. <laughs> yep. Uh, so your first lady rosario dawson uh before yeah hopefully before we uh move on to the 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 big racial theme there was some other stuff i wanted to talk about uh some one one sort of critique this movie did i think was of internet meme culture uh so there's a part where cassius crosses the picket line to go to his job and someone throws a bottle of coke at him or something or or, yeah and it hits his head and it becomes it blows up and becomes an internet meme. Like the, it's a YouTube on YouTube everywhere. Someone makes a, a Halloween costume out of it, which is you know borderline racist. But um, and then that person. Oh yeah, has, it's just black hair with a coke attached to it. Isn't there like a a pick in in the hair as well? Am I making that up? I, I don't know if that I I don't know. I'd have to see it again. But I'm sorry. When I say when I say black hair, when I say black hair, I mean like. Black yeah. hair, like a per- yeah. yes, like a like a person of color's hair, not black hair. Like the hair is black. Yeah. <laughs> and then that person uh, sold out. Uh, as it was the person that threw the bottle, sold out and got money for like a TV show or something. And uh, I think that's sort of again relevant to our current society. I don't know if you guys followed this story at all, but the actor John Krasinski has been doing something on YouTube called Some Good News. It really sold it! Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's where he just kind of explains good things that happen in the world, and then he sold the rights to that to CBS, and people freaked out. So that's sort of the same line with this girl who did something and then saw an opportunity to get rich off of it and then sold the rights to it in the movie. And then in real life, you can see the, the same thing. So... I don't really have anything more to mention about that, but I just kind of something that stuck out to me uh, about that. Did, no, yeah, I I agree. Uh, just a real quick on some um, some good news. An episode he did, he had a little girl on who really loved Hamilton, and then he had the Hamilton cast on uh, on that same episode singing the um, opening theme. It was fucking beautiful, and I think everyone should see it. I also would like to say um, that yeah, that costume was like racist AF. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You said borderline racist, then I was kind of curious on how you would save it. 
I didn't. My bad. <laughs> you didn't. No. Uh, was there any more sort of capitalism, anti-capitalism themes you going on in the movie, uh, or anything that you guys wanted to mention specifically towards that? So you mentioned the phrase "sellout," which I think is interesting, because like, so so I mentioned before, like how much of our self-esteem is like tied into what we produce because again like you can be anti-capitalist all you want but you grew up in a capitalist society you're, you're gonna be subject to it um so there's this line where like detroit calls cash out for being a sellout and he says i did this to be more interesting for you mm-hmm. i did this for you to like me which all right like we're two hours into this i'm gonna get like a little too real talk here but there was a point where i was like do I go back to nursing school? And there was this thought where it's like, what woman in their right mind would want to end up with a 30-year-old nurse's aide with X amount of debt? I, I wish I could say like, oh, I did it for me. I did it to complete this degree. But no, there's a part of me that if I'm going to be completely honest and bear myself, that I did this so that someone else would witness me and see me as worthy because that's a symptom of living in this in capitalist society. Well, first off, I would have ended up with you. You are worthy. Um, Too real, bud. Love you. Love you. But yeah, no, exactly. And that's, I want to point out that his name is Cash Green, literally, money. Like, that's his name. Yeah. So everything about him, his, every action he does is about the being swept up into this conspiracy theory with the Equisapiens versus wanting to do right by his family and make money and make himself worthy versus the, you know, supporting his community. And I think that's the, the selling point of this movie. Uh, I like that. Um, anything else to add about uh, the, the theme of capitalism and anti-capitalism and, and stuff from anybody? Let's get to race stuff. Yeah, yeah. So obviously the other the other thing is race, the themes of race. And there's a lot, um, especially after the, the, the party, where he goes to the party, um, where, where he meets the CEO, where Cash meets the CEO of Worry Free. But uh, the, the, let's start with the white voice, I guess. The, the white voice uh, for Cash is played by David Cross. Uh, there's another guy, another character whose white voice is played by Patton Oswalt. Um, there's another one, I think it's, uh, who's Danny Glover's white voice? It's uh, someone else, but it's, you said this earlier, that it's the, the voice you want to portray when you feel like you have no worries, you know, where you don't have anything to right. do and right. I don't. I don't know who Danny Glover's white voice was. I'm gonna try to find that. But Steve um, Oh, that's nuts. If that's right, <laughs> if that's correct, that's bananas. I know that it was. I. I. I was so baffled to hear. Um, to hear, uh, Pat Oswalt in this in this movie. I was dumbfounded. I had no idea that was coming. So that's another thing. I was. That was something I was glad I didn't look up. It was like awesome the fact that it was just Pat and Oswald. I'm like, this is amazing. I it was really really cool. Um, I don't think I think it says uh, Langston, who I believe is um, played by Danny Glover. His uh, white voice is someone I don't think that we would know. It's uh, it's Ryan Corsi. Um, I don't know if it's a name that anyone would would, would any of us would recognize. No, I, I don't. But yeah, so. Terrain, you also worked in a call center. Um, did, were you doing cold calls, or were you kind of just... No. 
Uh, well, sort of, in a, in a sense. So I used to work at a at a an online school, um, and it was an online like private uh, private option school, and you know we would you know people would call in, we would get their kids set up with classes and stuff, but we'd also um, call prospective parents and prospective um, uh, you know. I get well, not really kids. <laughs> prospective parents um, regarding uh, getting kids set up for classes. Um, so yeah, I, I firstly, um, I grew up around white people, so my voice has always been like this. But there are definitely times where I'm like, you know, you, you change your voice and you're on the phone. I, I, uh, mine more so. I get mistaken for a woman constantly when I'm on the phone because I like talk a little bit higher and a little bit more happy. Um, but, but there is like, there is that, that notion to like mask your voice because there are people who believe they can recognize it and, and, and have a negative reaction for it versus when they're hearing, you know, a different voice of, of what it is. It's, it's, it's very, very accurate. And it was so eerily accurate to me. Yeah. Um, but then to like watch like, uh, the, the, black actor like mouth the lines with the with the white voice coming out was fucking just whew, it was a lot to say yeah and i think like it's even sort of telling that detroit does it as well she has her own white voice because even though she's sort of been the opposite of cash and wanting doesn't want this capitalist stuff doesn't kind of align with what he's going through even she relies on the white voice when she does a art presentation in which she reads some lines and people throw pig's blood at her. Um, right. Which was <laughs> and like cans. Didn't they throw like cans no, and stuff? Cell phones. Was it cell phones? Cell phones. It was cell phones. It was cell phones. I'm like, jeez. And what? Bullet casings. Oh, that's right. Bullet casings as well. Drew remembers this scene. He is like, oh, art show. I got it. <laughs> yeah, I... I'm, I like art chicks. All right, move on. <laughs> so, the the most uh, obviously uh, racially charged scene is the, the party. I mentioned it, in which Cash is essentially used as a prop. He's propped up to be a party feature, and I just kind of want everybody's reaction to the scene where they ask him to rap, uh, and they chant rap. I'll rap, go rap out him. Yeah, go ahead. I'll go. Um, this is not new. Um, this, it, it was just really, like, jarring and horrifying to actually see. And I'm wondering if more people see that. Will they stop doing certain things, certain little microaggressions that really fucking get to people? Like, for example, and I remember this a lot because this is something that happened to me, like, all the time as a kid. And I never got what, like, I just, I'm like, okay, people want to give me attention. That's cool. Uh, don't touch my fucking hair. <laughs> um, I'm yeah. sure that people have heard that before. Don't touch my goddamn hair. And, uh, like, like this, that scene was just a, a group of white people essentially saying, dance, monkey, dance. And it was so unbelievably horrifying to watch. And at the same time, you're like, Yep, that makes sense. That's something that happens. <laughs> so, so to, to and I, I kind of want your thought on like Cash does it. He, you know, when they, they say like rap, 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 you can rap. Of course you can rap. And he's like, nah, dude, like I, I can't. 
and he gives a, a horrifying presentation, but they eat it up. Uh, not to get too personal on a movie podcast, but have you ever felt so pressured to give the presentation that you did it? I don't know if I, I honestly, I don't know if I've uh, had it to, firstly, I don't think I've ever had anything to that level um, to ever happen to me. Um, like being in a room with, I mean, I've, yes, I've, I've been, um, the only person of color amongst white people. And yes, I felt uncomfortable. And yes, sometimes things that they have said have made me uncomfortable. I don't think ever in the history of my life, I can think of anything that was that cringeworthy and that I went along with. I, I, I think, and, and to be clear, I'm not like knocking him for going along with that. I 100% understand where he's like, this is what I have to do to, Stay at my stay at my current status. My current status is paying the bills. My current status got me a place. My current status paid off people that needed to be needed that needed that money. Um, so I have to keep the status, and it, it's 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 a shitty situation that that he's put in, um, and he reacts to it in the only way that he fucking believes that he can react to it, which is play ball, that you know, fucking entertain them and take their money. So just I just want to describe the scene. They ask him to rap a little bit, and he's, he's like, rap, you can rap. You, you, you know how to rap, right? And he's like, no, literally, I can't. Like, it's not a talent I have. And then he tries, and it's bad, like, incredibly bad. So they're, like, all kind of, like, waiting with bated breath for it to be good. So then he just chants the N-word, and then they chant it back. And uh, when the first time I saw that, I, I, was, I thought of a Kendrick Lamar concert. I don't know if... I oh, I was thinking Kanye. But it was a Kendrick Lamar concert where Kendrick is performing a song and the crowd is all white people and they sing every word, including the N-word in, in Kendrick's song. So that's sort of how what I immediately thought of it. Obviously, the additional themes of, like, you know, black people being entertainment <laughs> is prevalent. But this, I drew parallels to today's kind of uh, popification of rap music by white people. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, it, it is one hundred percent. I mean, that's definitely a thing. And I, it's, I, I, firstly, I thought of Kanye one hundred percent. I thought of a Kanye concert. I wasn't there. I, I think a comedian was talking about it, where a Kanye concert, a bunch of a bunch of white people are at the Kanye concert and we're singing along to every single word, including the N word, and like screaming <laughs> it back at him. Aziz Ansari. I think it was Aziz Ansari. <laughs> <laughs> we might kill you anyway. You're the only you're the right person in this concert. We might kill you, Jason. Yeah, no, I I I, I think that <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I'm a little bit lost now because of the disease now. Yeah, that's my fault. No, no, that's okay. I, 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 it is definitely, I mean, there's definitely like a popification of, of rap music and I, I don't necessarily like knock people for, um, you know, you know, there are a lot of people that bite the culture and then, uh, you know, like get on, get on stuff and then, but, but if you're going to do that, stand up for the culture is what I would say. If you're gonna like fucking, you know, if you're gonna horn your way in on on black culture, at least acknowledge black artists and and promote black uh, promote black things for for the community. And I'm sorry, I keep saying black, but it's people of color because it's literally <laughs> uh, not just that. Um, yeah. you know, there are a lot of a lot of different things that like it, 
people try to pop into and 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 take and you know um whitewash so that it's more acceptable to the masses in fact like that's that's part of what you know like we have rock and roll but that wasn't what it was like uh, i I, I don't want to go on like a long racial history lesson but like legitimately um you know black artists don't usually get didn't usually get top 10 hits because they were black artists like people of color didn't get it because they were people of color and it was people were more okay with like sanitized rock and they're like oh well Elvis Presley even though he is doing almost everything that someone else is doing because he bit everybody else's style he's white so he's acceptable um so yeah that's cool (laughs) uh Alco's gonna be sick guys just wait (laughs) Drew, uh, what did you what did you think of that scene specifically? I mean, uh... um, okay, so he was asked by the CEO of Ori Free to be their uh, man on the inside. Um, so this is where I'm gonna get into some real lefty shit, and I'm gonna talk about racial politics, and I uh, I'm not gonna say everything right. So well, but don't before cancel you, me. Before you do that, he says uh, Army Hammer's character, the CEO wants cash to be the mlk doesn't he say that directly that you can be the mlk i want you to be the martin luther yep. king, martin luther yep. king yep. of yep. these ex-apians uh, that was something but anyway go 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 yeah. ahead. all right so um in marx's thought we agree on what the bourgeois look like you know that no one's going to argue that um jeff bezos isn't the epitome of the bourgeois uh, he had got his labor through exploiting the people working under him. You only get billions and likely soon trillions of dollars through exploitation. Um, of course, that line gets a little blurry when we talk about the petite bourgeois, uh, like the people who own local businesses and are still making decent money uh, through some exploitation. But then there's this other word I want to introduce, and I'm sure I'll get I know you two probably know it. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll teach a listener a thing um, called the lumpen proletariat, which is proletariat who make money and acquire power through exploiting other members of the proletariat. Uh, so right. traditionally, these are drug dealers, people who deal in sex trafficking. Um, and again, like poor people who exploit other poor people in order to, to make money. And... Sociologists like Laura Perdillo, Angela Davis, uh, the Black Panther Party has put a whole bunch of writings out that says, historically speaking, in America, the lumpen proletariat have been people of color, particularly black Americans, because of cultural, societal, and a lot of historical effort to prevent people of color from developing class consciousness. So there's this lot of talk in the film about betraying your people, betraying your class, uh, selling out. And there's this well, offer. I just I just saw this on Twitter. Terrain had a quote tweeted about a black actor complaining about black on black crime. Like that's uh, that not go to what you were like, saying about right now. Uh, th- this is more of that um, again offering to be the MLK of, of the Equin sapiens of the um are you will how much money would it take for you to betray your family yeah um and some groups have a higher uh sensitivity 
to family and there has been such an effort for, I'm going to call it black um, diaspora, that we have separated the black family and black community to a point where uh, that class consciousness that we talk about in socialism sometimes is more difficult in the black community. Again, I can't, I'm not, this is not a Drew thought. This is, I, I'm, I'm literally uh, just quoting the Black Panthers and Laura Padillo in here. Too real? No, no, it's perfect. Honestly, this is why I suggested the movie too, is because I wanted to have some conversations about leftism, race, uh, racism, and, sort, and culture and society. So that's why I picked it, why this movie was made, why it kind of speaks to a lot of people. Uh, anyway, so no, good, perfect. Um, I just want to highlight that the scene in which uh, Army Hammer is the CEO is giving is telling trying to convince Cash to become the Martin Luther King of the Equestapians. He says, "But you haven't even heard my offer yet." Oh, and he hands him a piece of paper, and, he, and Cash opens it up, and it's what a hundred million dollars written in crayon. <laughs> he says, I'm not Cash. Yeah. Uh-huh. They're like so, that's such a weird like depart. Like the movie itself was all like like crazy and, and nonsense. Like like not, not sorry. Let me let me backtrack. The movie itself had some like really crazy turns, but it was like in in its in on its face like a very serious look at race struggle and um, economic struggle, um, the plight of the workforce. Um, you know, the, the uh, benefit of uni- unionizing. But then, like, it also throws that weird, like, little, like, elementary thing in. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> this movie is, like, really, really, like, smart and deep. Don't, don't be weird about it. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a good tool to cut the, uh, cut the kind of tension, I want to say. But, I mean, another example is that there's a game show in the movie where it's just people just getting beat up. Right. So just, what was the game show called? Oh, I wasn't it called "I Got the, I shit, got the kicked shit Kicked Out of Me." Out of me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I just and, uh, and it's ahead. like it's played as like a laugh until like like it's played as like a weird like like or maybe not like necessarily a laugh, but a thing you're supposed to be like mildly uncomfortable with until the end when Cash has the has the video of the Equisapiens and he wants to show it to national media. And they're like, okay, but first you have to let us kick the shit out of you and cover you in shit. And then it is like so horrifying to watch. Like before then you're watching, you're like, this isn't great, but I can deal with it. And then at that moment, like he's trying to, he's trying to blow the whistle on some of the most heinous actions um, by business leaders. And, He's subjected to that as as like a punishment for for it's, doing so, or like you do this, you let us humiliate you, and then we'll show your little video. Like it, it is horrifying. It's symbolism, terrain. Symbolism. Uh, I know. <laughs> oh, I know. I I just feel I'm feeling it from a humanistic perspective. Uh, my human feelings were hurt. <laughs> The, the only reason why it really hurt was like, what were the consequences of him showing the Equisapien video? That there's this transhuman nightmare that, you know, we are literally dehumanizing in the most literal sense of the word, human beings. What are the consequences of that? 
in the cash went up. Yeah, in the movie there there aren't any. He well, Cash in the very very end of the movie, Cash himself gets turned into uh, an Equisapien, and then he goes to Army Hammer's house to murder him. I guess that's yep. I mean, that's the way I took it. Uh, in my head, he was there to just murder him um, slowly, and I was like. All right, happy ending. Cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, do we have any more anything else to talk about uh, as far as the theme of, of racism uh, or any sort of racial topics about this movie? Sure. I got to say, lumpen proletariat and petite bourgeois. I'm fucking set, bro. Solid. Uh, I, I mean, I I think I I, I just want to. I mean, I think that it is. Definitely an amazingly poignant look on the struggle of black America to, you know, pay bills, put food on the table. I think it, I think it gives a gives a great look into that and as to like, what would you do? You're you're you know, you're in this situation. What would you do to get yourself out of the situation? Uh, How much how many lines would you cross to do so? And how many friends and, and, and loved ones would you, um, quote, betray, unquote, to, to get there? And when you lump that with the already, like, capitalism is pretty much stacked against the, the people at the bottom. Now add systematic racism to that, you're in a, in a horrible position where you, where it, to me, it's more excusable if you're someone who's like, eh, fuck it, I'm gonna go and make a bunch, bunch of money. Like that's more excusable, and and I, I I I really like I I hope that that at least is one of the I hope that's at least one of the uh, things that came across because I know that uh, speaking of our group chat, I know that it's like you know we we shouldn't accept a capitalist society. I understand, but unfortunately, when you're black and try to speak out on certain things it doesn't go your way. Um, So if you've had that like systematic oppression, you're more likely going to do things to try to, uh, you know, benefit yourself in the short term or benefit your friends and family in the short term. I hope that was something that some like that, that uh, people who watched the movie pulled out of it. Cause I think that's super. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Honestly, I can see if, if something like worry free were to exist in real life, I can see people why people would want to do that. It's yeah, simple. Like honestly, so yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't have you don't have you don't have bills. You don't have uh you know you have three hots and a cot. Which to be fair, it actually is very similar to the prison labor that we already have in this country today. Because we said that we got rid of slavery, but we didn't. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, correct. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> um, all right. So. I don't want to spend too much time because we're over two hours now, but just some other things yeah. that I, <laughs> other things I have jotted down. Uh, there's a scene where when cash is kind of um, growing in the company, making more money, it shows his bedroom kind of being upgraded. And I thought that was really cool how they did that. It made it almost like a pop-out book sort of thing where things yeah. like folded in on itself to become a flat screen. That was cool. I was just from a, this is a neat scene standpoint. Um, the other thing is that I, like I've said, I worked in a call center where we did cold calls, and there is so many parallels, uh, not parallels, it's real, that stuff they did is real. I'm talking about that stupid-ass meeting 
where they inter, uh, introduce the new manager debauchery yep. or like that is real with and where it doesn't cash or someone say like well what does this mean does it mean we're getting paid more and like ah, no like yeah that's it's I, I related to that real hard. So yeah, uh, I, I I agree. I've had um I've had those meetings where you know it's a group team meeting and we're a team and we're a family and and that's what we're and it's like all right, motherfuckers, like we're not like we're really not. You don't do shit for like you you <laughs> have little fun raffles every so often to get away with not paying us as much. Yeah, like that's. True. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you know, like you, if you do better, you can be a whatever, but, but like, we're all in this together and we're all a fun family. It's like, no, no, we're not. Stop telling us that. Yeah. The company I worked for, they used to, they used to do like happy hour Fridays where they, at 5.30 on a Friday, they would bring, excuse me, bring some beer around or they would, uh, once a year, they would send us to a Cancun trip, which I never got to go on because I quit. Um, so it's. I get it. And the, the, the we'll hire anyone who can breathe. We just need bodies and seats to push buttons and make these calls out every every minute of eight hours a day. That's the kind of job mm -hmm. I had. That's the job that Cash has in the beginning. So, yeah. Drew, uh, you were going to say something? Uh, the, the That meeting, they, of course, repeat all the time. The job is stick to the script. Do not buck the status quo. That's the lesson here. Stick to the script. Yeah. 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 And you can, of course, extrapolate that to, uh, you know, labor union and, and stuff. So, um, yeah, so I don't think I have anything else to say about this. Well, one more thing, one more quick thing. It's very, very, very quick. Um, I thought that the uh, the little, like, standoff between Cash and his friend Salvador were, it was amazing. Um, like... The the way they would the way they would insult each other. I hope you have a nice day. I hope your week is spectacular. Well, I hope your month. I'm like, this is fucking hilarious. And then they like got really close, and it's like, you smell really good. <laughs> like this is just. I thought it was really funny. I thought that was great. That was oh, yeah. like one moment of levity in in what turned out to be like a horrible hellscape of of racial um, of racial animus and. Um, and then Equisapiens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, I want to highlight again that the Equisapien turn was fucking out of nowhere. It was insane. And it blew me away. Um, so, okay. Yeah. All right. I, I don't have anything else. Uh, so, Drew, um, kind of give you, if you have any more final thoughts. And what would you give this out of 10? I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it introduced a ton of interesting and deep concepts without preaching to the audience too deeply uh, and without telling the audience what to think directly. So 8 out of 10, would recommend to anybody. Yeah, fair. Uh, Terrain, what about you? Any final thoughts? And what would you give it out of 10? Yeah, I, I will say this. Um, I, I think that this, this film was uh, very, very good. Um, I, I also thought that the, the twist really <laughs> fucked me up. Um, <laughs> But not before I was fucked up about how uh, about all of the um, horrifying racial themes and how that is something that I literally lived through. Um, so I will say, if you will, I mean, this is a this is a great perspective movie. I think this is a movie that gives you a gives you a very good perspective while also adding, you know, I guess if you don't want just fully that, it also gives you a um, you know a battle cry for unions. It also gives you 
um, a <laughs> lesson on eugenics. <laughs> um, it is it is all encompassing. I think it was great. I'm glad I watched it. I'm gonna give it eight out of five. I'm oh, sorry, eight point five out of ten is what I try to say. <laughs> nice. I, I I agree, and I appreciate both of you having uh, discussions uh, about this movie. Um, you know, because uh, that's why I picked it. I wanted I wanted to talk about this and. Uh, partially because I saw it in theaters and no one else did, and I had no one else to talk about this movie with. So that's <laughs> part of the reason why. I wanted to do this. <laughs> yep. No, I didn't. I didn't. No, but you know, it's it's why I uh, picked the movie. Perfect. Yeah, I'm giving this a I would say a nine out of ten. Really, I, I think it is a good like um, putting a shining a light or a, having a lens on certain aspects of our society that aren't really uh, exposed as much or should be exposed more i should say so yeah that's that um thank you for chatting with me about it um so we can we can be quick about this ending because we're now at two hours and 15 minutes uh and it's 10 30 at night terrain has there been anything uh, anything you've been watching lately or any anything you've been doing that you want to kind of chat about and plug i just binged um i just binged sports night over two days um, um that Yep, more Aaron Sorkin, and at this point, part of me is like, if you want to just, fought, like, if you don't feel like watching The West Wing, or don't feel like watching The Newsroom, or don't feel like watching Studio 60, just watch Sports Night. It's two seasons, it's a 22-minute instead of, like, his normal, like, 40-minute, and it has all the same elements, and sometimes he essentially just re- repeats plots from episodes of other things that he's done. <laughs> um, like, and he did this before the West Wing, but I literally saw an episode that was almost shot for shot, like, the, like almost, sorry, almost entirely plot-lined, like, the West Wing. And I'm like, okay. I still loved it, but it's it's real fun. Also, listen to Alcoholics. It's on a bunch of podcasts and platforms. Thank you. Oh, yeah. It's good stuff. Alcoholics is great. I want to ask one quick question. Is Jim Thorpe the athlete mentioned in Sports Night? He is one of an one of the athletes mentioned in Sports Night. Yeah, that's, all, that's all I needed to hear. Drew, <laughs> what about you? Anything you've been watching, doing uh, anything at all lately you want to talk about? Um, so on Netflix, there is a show called The Midnight Gospel by Pendleton Ward. Now, Penn Ward is famous for Adventure Time, and that's why I signed on to it. And it is a podcast, essentially, with animation in the background, but it deals with a lot of concepts of faith, life, death. The very final episode made me sob deeply because it is a conversation with the host's mother who has stage four cancer. If that sounds like something that you're into, uh, please watch The Midnight Gospel, call me, and we'll cry and hold each other six feet away of course <laughs> solid um as for me i uh checked out hbo max which just came out yesterday uh and they have all of the studio ghibli films on it so i watched princess mononoke uh last night and i'll probably watch spirited away tonight and those are fantastic uh anime movies that are i think for people who don't know or don't like anime i think it's a good movie or stuff to show them show those people as an intro uh spirited away is a fantastic movie anyway that's it that's all 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 she wrote so i want to talk about um i appreciate you guys for coming on thank you for subjecting me to wild wild west and batman and robin i i appreciate both of you 
uh, and I love you both. So thank you. I love you too. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, always, always. Next time, I can't wait for two more weeks go by. I'm like, hey, guys, come on again. We'll watch something else. But All right. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye.